are elite. For everything you need to know about Mercedes Monet's AEW debut, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Could God make a pie so big that even he couldn't eat it. Now it's, if Joe Yabs had a finisher, what would it be? <laughs> Come on to the rock show. Come on to the people's show. Come on to the premiere show. Smackdown. It's the 6th of January in the year of our Lord 2000. There's no video games released because it is a very bad idea to be releasing games just after Christmas. But luckily for you, if you had money, for the sixth week in a row, The World Is Not Enough is undefeated at the box office. And what feels like the 300th week in a row, God has abandoned us because Westlife's cover of I Have a Dream is still number one in the charts. Oh, what a shame. <laughs> but somewhere in the little world of wrestling and American wrestling was a company called WWF, and they had a little old show called SmackDown. But what happened on that show, you ask? Is this when that product started getting good? I hear people going. Will there be test jokes? I hear the demand. The answer to all these questions and more can only be answered right here at the Call All It Classic Smackdown Review with yourself, Tom Campbell, fresh and healthy, and Mafu nearly dead. Oh, I miss you this week. I miss you. I can't touch your face. I can't touch my own face at the moment. <laughs> But it's so, so. If you wonder why it sounds like we are distant, we aren't emotionally, but we are physically <laughs> this week, because um, Matthew, Matthew selfishly took a trip to a Schengen country, <laughs> a third that... world country known as Germany. <laughs> and uh, what happened, Math? Where are you? Well, Germany was fine. You know, they they don't have a coronavirus over there. They have sparkling coronavirus. That's <laughs> your favourite one. Yeah, my favourite coronavirus. So, yeah, I went over for Dub X Dub, or VXV, as they call it over there's 16-carat tournament. And it appears to be the last event before the entire world went, oh, this is a serious thing. Right, we should actually act upon it and stop these things. And it was worth it, you know. It was a hell of an event. I could go on and on and on about how good it was. But the important bits are the fact that everyone that we've been in touch with from all around the, the world, there's Canadians there, Germans, Poles, and all the rest, we've all been checking on ourselves and making sure we're all right. No one's got any issues. And so far, so good. The only person who has had any issues, I won't say his name, but he got mono 
I went to the hospital in Germany, and they were quite keen to stress that. No, it was not coronavirus. It was uh, the kissing disease, and he got it by not kissing. So a kissing he was very good disease. about that. I mean, I mean, I think it's what, like, 10-year-old people call it. But, Is it the ultimate I mean, kissing disease, love? Oh, well... Love will f- uh, fall apart in the end or whatever. Oh, what is that? Mo- mono, mono Sodium glutamate. <laughs> yeah, uh, mono- monocolysis. You find him in Final Fantasy V. It's, um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. The first thing for WebMD is the kissing disease. So it's not just me. Uh, anyway, so that that's been, that was nothing to do with corona or anything else like that. However, everyone else is advised, wherever possible, to self-isolate. And I have just been to a country where... Not just Germans, but Italians as well. They had the showcase event, and you should have heard the crowd's reactions when they went from northern Italy. And the Italian went, whoa. <laughs> oh, Christ. But oh, no one was shaking hands. No one was kissing. It was all like bro forearms and how you doing and all that. And I came back and, you know, I messaged Pachiti, and I went, hey, boss, <laughs> when's good for the podcast? And they were like, hey, you joking? <laughs> how about how about we give it a week and a bit right because the surgeon general does say it can take up to 14 days and that's fair enough i did get there thursday and leave monday so if by wednesday this week i'm feeling okay i think i'll go outside and you know talk to people but it is right though tom yeah. people will look at this as an overreaction especially because it's an absolute destruction of the indie scene and wrestling at the the minute but at the same time people are going well the numbers aren't that high yeah this is the reason why uh, i'm just going to echo what my housemate who works at the hospital says the numbers right now we can cope with if you have the coronavirus if they double triple or have a few zeros on the end then it's going to be a serious serious problem so so hence why we're all taking precaution where we can. That's why exactly. self-isolating is happening. So if you have wondered where Matthew Gregg has been, because you have been conspicuous by your absence on the Cultaholic podcast uh, for the last couple of weeks, it's obviously Matthew was in Germany for Dub X Dub, and now he is self-isolating. Yeah. That's, that's such a lovely term, isn't it? Matthew can't come out and play. He's self-isolating. He's self-isolating. Do you know what? By the way, a quick thing, Tom, before we get into this. It was... Um, Interested, uh, stupid phone making noises. Sorry, I'll put that on silent. <laughs> and well, there's no reason I have it on silent if I'm not leaving the house. Exactly. And I'm totally fine. <laughs> um, is uh, the fact that I, I didn't know if there was going to be one or not because I misread Pachiti's message and saw that there was one updated. My mum was very upset. She's like, why, why aren't you on there? I'm like, no, mum, I'm, I'm, I'm self isolating. I'm supposed to be doing this. But I went, and watched it, and I thought, oh, well, let's see what they say. And Jack just quickly does the, if you like a lot of wrestling. Well, Matthew's not here. Here's Tom. I'm like, what? There's, no, there's nothing to say. Like, oh, yeah, Matthew can't come in because he might be dead. Or <laughs> the coronavirus is keeping him in. It's just like, Matthew couldn't be asked to come in. Is Tom. I'm like, what? We do touch on what, on why you're absent, but it's much later in the show. <laughs> I, was oh, I, was a, I was a guest. I was a guest. I was a guest on the show. I scrub my hands for 20 seconds and of all responsibility uh, for oh. why it wasn't explained in the in the opening moments. But, uh, but it's nice. I knew you had... Sorry. We have this time now where we can address where you have been. Yeah, well, thank you very much, Pontius Pilate. I know I could lie upon you. <laughs> 
Ponzi's never looked as good as I do in a suit. But and Ponzi's pilot never had a video downvoted as quickly as the one I just did on Coldaholic. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, enough talk of this rubbish. Tom, there's a bit on the this lovely show that we do, and it's it's very flattering actually to see the comments online saying, "Where is it? Where's the SmackDown?" Yeah, I'm yeah, like, "Oh, so... thank you." But the bit that we usually do in this segment is we cut to you live with pages and pages of old Wrestling Observer newsletter, and you let us know what's happening in the wonderful world of wrestling, as reported by Mr. Davey. We shall indeed. But um, yeah, so thank you very much if you have got in touch and asked where the show has been. I think now, I mean, the re- thing is, the reason that this show this show has been absent is nothing to do with, with you being isolated. The reason this show has been off for a couple of weeks is because I was poorly, not coronavirus-related, a different kind of poorly, as my doctor has told me, so it's fine. Um, and then I lost my voice, so I couldn't record it anyway. But it's fine together again. Like the Muppet said, it's all good. And this is indeed the point where uh, we get back to normal. Wrestling Observer from this particular weekend is the first Wrestling Observer of the brand spanking new century. And we are reflecting on an up and a down for World Championship Wrestling. Okay, the up is New Japan and WCW presenting Tokyo Dome 2000. Big old Worlds Collide show uh, in Japan. Do you have many memories of Tokyo Dome 2000, Matthew? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> unless, was that the one with Onida on it? Let me have a quick look. So this is me recorded, and the first picture is Chris Benoit. That's a good start, isn't it's it? It's always a great um, start for uh, any wrestling produ- production. It's not the one with Onida. No, not seeing this one. Why don't you fill us in with all the gaps? Well, okay. So uh, this was a uh, a huge show out of the Tokyo Dome. I just got some notes here regarding WCW's involvement in it, uh, which featured um, JJ Dillon and Paul Orndorff as management and Chris what? Benoit. Yeah, yeah. Dillon and Orndorff were there representing. Uh, Chris Benoit, Rick Steiner, and Randy Savage were performing as well. Uh, we had Chris Benoit wrestling as Wild Pegasus. Get this right. J.J. Dillon, uh, Paul Orndorff, both at ringside, along with Brad Regans, who was watching as well. What? I know, right? So uh, was, was Mike Graham unavailable? <laughs> I assume not. So it was Wild Pegasus. It was Benoit uh, re- rekindling. The fire that was Wild Pegasus uh, taking on Hiroyoshi Tenzan. Uh, he lost to Tenzan. That was probably the better match of the night. WCW managed to beautifully bookend this evening uh, in the Tokyo Dome with one of the best matches and the worst match. Uh, so Chris Benoit as Wild Pegasus beat, uh, lost to Tenzan in a fine encounter. Uh, and also on this particular night, we had Rick Steiner pinning Randy Savage in the worst match of the show. <laughs> Oh, God, I have seen that. That's when um, Randy Savage goes to the top. No, no, Rick Steiner goes to the top rope and just falls off. <laughs> you are familiar with this one, sir. Yes. All I'm in a bad wrestler. All in all, it was a, a good night for New Japan and WCW. However, if you were to be looking at the, uh, the, the home figures for World Championship Wrestling. It's not a good time, according to the Wrestling Observer. Preliminary figures indicate that Starcade was a gigantic disappointment, drawing 0.3 in the buy rate. That's a pretty miserable buy rate. It was only slightly better 
than Fall Brawl, which was the lowest buy rate for either of the two big companies in the history of pay-per-view. What a night Starcade was. Of course, a lot of people remember Starcade 99 as the night that kind of signaled the uh, the end of the career of Bret Hart versus Goldberg. If life was a video game, Bret Hart hopefully should have hit a save state just before facing Goldberg that he could have come back to at a later date, but uh, he didn't. Uh, at this point, the plan looks to build for Goldberg's return at Uncensored Miami, uh, and uh, we'll see how that goes down. I did find an amazing story about Starcade, but it's nothing to do with the American broadcaster Starcade. It's actually to do with the German broadcast. Would you like to hear it? Bro? Oh, it was on uh, DSF. Oh, yes, it was. Look at you. Jeez. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, WCW's pay-per-views air live in Germany. Uh, normally, uh, they get the video feed from the US, and the announcing is done in a studio in Munich. So it's bounced to Munich and then bounced back out again. Um, however, on this occasion, the German crew were flown to Washington, D.C., and they did live oh. commentary for the German announce team. They were joined on commentary by a new face to the German commentary team, uh, a comedian by the name of Tom Gerhard. Um, Tom's big party piece for comedy in Japan came a decade before this, <clears throat> in which he used to go on stage dressed as a giant penis. And whilst on stage, he would pretend to ejaculate on the audience. Comedy! <laughs> Just gonna let that sink in for math. That, that was that was good. I mean, it's like, and was did they cut like on the modern WWE pay per views and go, ah, oh, here's the Spanish announced team, here's the uh, Klingon announced team, and here's the German. Yes, you can s tell which one's the German team. <laughs> Sadly, he wasn't in full phallic getup for the actual program. Uh, oh. But but it's all right. No wonder, do, no wonder do such a low buy rate. It's all right there because whilst he didn't look like a dick, he did make a dick of himself. Uh, he was doing heel commentary, getting himself over throughout the entire night. Uh, he constantly questioned Disco Inferno's sexuality, uh, which is very tone deaf in 2020. You can have an idea what he said. Uh, just kept referring to Medusa's nice tits. Uh, he kept referencing the fact that the punches in the ring weren't actually making contact. Ah. Calling out the fact that this wrestling stuff is fake and he could beat any of them up. There was a point in the show, which you may remember, where uh, Chris Benoit uh, throws out an open challenge for the US title. I believe it was an open challenge to a ladder match. Uh, yeah. As soon as he threw out the open challenge, uh, spectators around the German announce table saw Tom Gerhardt jump up on the table and declare himself the challenger for Chris Benoit, which was thankfully ignored by the cameras. So this guy was, was quite the treat. Apparently, it all transpired that this was done because WCW were having a house show at Ob in Oberhausen. Uh, yes, Yes. And the plan was for Tom Gerhardt to wrestle Berlin. And that's what this was building to. But what a back what a backhanded way to build to a house show match on your biggest show of the year. Yep. I, <laughs> I mean, I can't argue with that, but that little tour of Germany ended up being very good for them, I believe. Uh, given how low attendances were the rest of the year. I believe they, Alberhausen 
uh, it's basically a place where it, it's mostly for people to come visit for events and uh, bands and things like that. So that actually did a, a good number for them. It was. Uh, I mean, why am I trying to defend WCW here? You know, I've just been at Alba House in Germany. Like, <laughs> hey, Germany, uh, Tom, you can be smirched the good name of, um, you know, Wild Pegasus all you like, but you may... You made you one comment about that. my friends in Deutschland. Exactly. And so my best friends are Deutschland. <laughs> so my so best, my friends, best are... friends are giant penises. Ich bin ein Berliner. Uh, so uh, th- that that sums up some of the uh, highlights from the Wrestling Observer. A lot of other stuff that Dave talks about this week is like looking back on the century in professional wrestling and all that stuff. As we welcome in a brand new era to uh, not just the the world, but to the World Wrestling Federation. And this is where we go over to Matthew Gregg to talk us through the first SmackDown of the brand new millennia. Oh, yeah, moving on from the German version of Art O'Donovan to the first Raw of 2000 recap. Looks like the first Raw of 1999, as we get a world title change. Triple H books himself versus Big Show. And thanks to DX's interference, Big Show gets kicked in the dick, pedigreed, and we get green and black balloons falling from the ceiling. Ah, so nice. We're in Orlando, Florida. Uh, so that's a nice place to be. It's Isn't very sunny. it nice to see crowds? Isn't it nice? Yeah. <laughs> look at all those people gathered together. Right. I've forgotten what they look like. <laughs> and Stephanie McMahon backstage says, how great it is that Triple H beat Big Show but admonishes slash expositions how D-Generation X weren't able to beat The Rock on Monday night. Even if Foley interfered to help The Rock, there's still three of them. (gasps) Good point. Numbers don't lie. Mm -hmm. Stephanie will let Brody know what they're going to do with him later on. (laughs) Brody says, oh, gee, thanks. (laughs) Xbox tonight gets big show. Xbox quotes, again. And Billy Gunn takes on both members of the Acolytes. Billy Gunn complains, but Triple H says he is also sacrificing. Are you ready? He's going to enter himself into a lottery to wrestle a random member of the roster. He then makes out in front of DX. Stephanie McMahon is sadly not dressed as Big Show after last week's Mankind cosplay. So that's (laughs) that's a thread that never got resolved. Well, you know. And... So Before is... we get onto that, there's a bunch of stuff to recap then. First of all, Big Show losing his title was for the best. Um, definitely helps a Triple H mega push, which is actually finally gaining momentum. It's finally where they wanted it to be a few months ago. And Big Show was just dying a death. Oh, sorry, everybody who's indoors. Um, <laughs> so um, good memories of seeing this recap. And it was like, oh, great. <laughs> Couldn't be happier for Triple H to take the title off someone. It felt like the Big Show experiment was uh, a a massive failure. It really did. It was. It and it's the and what's frustrating is that you've got a guy who, with the right con, uh, with the with the right frame of mind and with consistent booking, could have been your top guy at this point. But like the 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 stories he was entangled in, just were so unkeeping with a giant. The whole, like, fighting the big boss, man. Because, because you know, the whole the whole death of his dad thing, it was just, it was stuff that didn't suit a giant of a character. 
I feel like there was such an opportunity missed with Big Show to be the one guy. Right. I mean, it's he got a good push as he was going to get during this crazy period, which I think we go over every week, but it does need to be said of, you know, hey, we mean Austin's out and Undertaker's out and Test sucks. <laughs> oh, uh, but we can't put the title on this guy because then we have nothing for us. <laughs> you know, it, he was just the guy that they needed at that point. And luckily, later on, way later on, because of course in wrestling, um, him and Sheamus, amongst other times, Big Show was great. That was a time when they booked him exactly as he should have been here, but under nicer circumstances. So, And we get the <laughs> intro. <laughs> that is now how the intro will be now. <laughs> Come along, sing along, in other words. Um, and we start off with X-Pac. Uh, versus Big Show. X-Pac gets attacked as he does his obnoxious posing and tongue sticking out. Big Show then pounds away until the referee tries to stop his big, nasty, bastard rage. <laughs> but he can't. So he DQs Show. X-Pac attempts to attack Show with a chair after the bell, but Show is emotionally charged, according to Michael Cole, and no-sells it, and destroys X-Pac some more. Then he destroys the referee. Then the emergency referees enter. Take a look at Big Show and leave due to a lack of union or health benefits. <laughs> That's it. They came down and went, we've got to stop him. Uh, actually, no, we don't, because we're not insured for this. We'll yeah, leave we it. We had a whole storyline. We're, we're scabs. You're all right. <laughs> anyway, the more people Big Show destroys, the more people cheer him. So having a vengeful Big Show destroying DX every week is a good Big Show. So can we, right? So that's the first match of the night here on the first SmackDown of the of the year of our Lord, two thousand, right? Mm. So, Bexbox beat the Big Show by DQ. Mm -hmm. So let's put a little tick. That's one DQ tonight so far. Oh, that's not a good omen. One DQ so far tonight. One match ends by DQ tonight. Yeah. Uh, this is probably the 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 uh, Big Show needed to be relit, and I guess battering Xbox was the way to do. it. I guess. Yeah. When in doubt, beat up X-Pac. If in doubt, beat up X-Pac. One thing that we haven't reflected on is the fact that this show once again begins with our new favorite returning trope, which is DX Dissension. <clears throat> Are they going to fall out? Oh, not again. I think this is now three times in as many weeks where the show has been built around, can DX get along? More like Dissension X. Oh, they're friends, really. <laughs> yeah, psych. Psych. You fell for it again. No, we didn't. You bunch of idiots. The we cerebral assassin means he <laughs> thinks better than you. <laughs> Nothing cerebral about your assassin. You're literally stood in the hallway shooting. <clears throat> Literally going up to babies and going, got your nose. Just kidding. <laughs> oh, 37 times later, even the baby's fed up with that. <laughs> Pedigree to the small child. <laughs> Backstage, Jericho says teaming with China is a fate worse than death. <laughs> oh, Christ. I'm looking for the lie. Uh, as soon as China starts <laughs> talking, Michael Cole does us a favor and starts talking over. <laughs> Don't know why. Michael Sadly, Cole's very chatty in this. 
Like it's he is. I, th- we're at this funny point in commentary where um, Michael Cole is spelling out everything that we see on screen, and I do, I I never like that style personally of like spelling out everything as it's happening. Like King the Rock's walking down the corridor. Yeah, yeah, I know. He's he's walking he's walking king. This has been an alliance with Uggs. <laughs> I'll, I'll defend Cole and say, look, there's so much law and stuff going on nowadays that we do need that guy like a a, a navigational system. He can't turn off, letting you know what's happening. Uh, it's weird that he's talking over people on the way. So either because this thing's done in post, that means that either they needed him to add a bit more exposition because it wasn't quite clear. Oh, they heard China talking and went, oh, cool. Oh, overdub it, please. We were saying she's speaking Spanish. <laughs> Sadly, Michael Cole is explaining that Stephanie has, oh, God, yeah, here we go. Of course, Michael Cole's having to talk a lot because he's explaining to the people watching at home who have brains that because both of them pinned the, that match with two refs who both ruled day one, both China and Jericho are the intercontinental champion. Look, if they're blaming Stephanie McMahon for this mess, then it's okay. It's a, oh, it's not a bad point if the bad person's doing it. Uh, but that aside, what a stupid angle. What a, what a mess WWF walked into the new millennium with. Like, just staggered in. World champion, the big show. Who isn't touching the sides at all in terms of support? Who's Medium your, show. But it's okay. Who's your who's your uh, your workhorse champion? Your intercontinental champion? Oh, it's Chris Jericho. Oh, that's okay. And China. What? At the same time? Yes. Right. <laughs> cool. So the records will always say at the beginning of the 21st century, Chris Jericho and China were the IC champion. Yeah. Move to Jericho's music, play Jericho's music. <laughs> Move to Jericho's music now, and China. <laughs> oh, that's a lovely Joe Henry, Joseph Connors callback. Thank you. We, wow. we talked about jo- Joseph Connors quite a bit in Germany because the Irish lads were there, and the oh, the lovely guys, lovely guys. But they like the punchline is they they hate NXT UK, so the joke is like, oh, I can't wait for like Timothy Thatcher to appear and you know have a great feud with Joseph Connors. And then me and some other people going, you know, he had a really good run in WCPW, right? And they're like, ha, ha, ha. Like, no, no, seriously. They go, what? He's the WCPW <laughs> like, champion. Yeah, like you've just told them, like, the queen is dead. They're like, what? What? Joseph Connors was good? <laughs> like, you know, like, and everyone, like, joins in going, yeah, no, really, really. And so we basically said, like, you know you know how Irish people love Ryan Smile? Yeah, it was like that, but Newcastle. that's a good shout that is of course one of our actually another former WCW champion WCPW champion has uh, has hung up his tights in the last couple of days right I was going to say Martin Kirby that is that doesn't feel real what it's like and you put it best on uh, on social mate when you said like there's enough bad news as it is can't have Martin Kirby retire now yeah like no one's going to know so I remember when like a hundred thousand people died. Also, Martin Kirby retired. Devastating. Like, uh, I, I felt really bad when Martin Kirby retired and give a toss about the rest of the planet. Oh. But anyway, we could talk about a good hour and a half about how good Martin Kirby was and all the matches we have. I mean, for the purposes of this, we'll have to move on because really, his his career was effing amazing. 
and the consistency in like uh, anyway sorry like, like i said i'm i'm gonna stop myself there uh, we're told police are outside to get mick foley in case he even thinks about entering the arena we then cut and show that there's one policeman outside twirling a stick like it's the 1950s i'm sure sergeant o'reilly would be able to stop foley <laughs> like, like SWAT teams or anything. It's one old bloke. Anyway, China and Jericho, the they call themselves the IC champions versus the Hollies. And both China and Jericho have co-intercontinental champion in their graphic. And Cole explains that if China loses to Holly or anybody, then Jericho loses it as well. This stupidness brought to you by WWF The Music Volume 4. <laughs> WrestleMania 15 on DVD. That's that newfangled thing that the rich kid next door to you has, but you don't because you're poor. And Christ on the bike, AOL 5.0. Yeah! The future is now, Tom. Oh, mate. Bloody love AOL. I did think about this, Tom. We haven't actually sat down and reviewed WWF The Music Volume 4, so I thought I'd get your opinion on um, the, the track listing. Because I'll okay. copy and type it out, so we're doing this. I was hoping uh, we were going to review AOL 5. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite AOL 4. Uh, I wanted to gush go about down. Connie. <laughs> Fancied her. Oh, <laughs> you could download, go download Connie in a heartbeat. Connie. No, it wouldn't take you a heartbeat. It would take you many heartbeats. It so. take me up to four hours. Download Connie. That dress, it's all the internet. Whoa! Actually, saying that, AOL 5.0, I believe, is the one that caused the, the massive lawsuit. Uh, yeah, here we go. Quick look on Wikipedia before you move on to this so-called wrestling podcast. Um, in 2000, AOL was served with an $8 billion lawsuit alleging that AOL 5.0 software caused significant difficulties for users attempting to use third-party internet service providers. <gasps> the bastards. Oh. The lawsuit sought damages of up to a grand for each user that had downloaded the software site at the time of the lawsuit. AOL later agreed to a settlement of 15 million without admission of wrongdoing. Yeah, they're pretty close, 8 billion, 15 million. AOL software was then given a feature called AOL Dialer, and this feature allowed users to connect to the ISP without running the full interface. Oh, okay. Uh, good go. for AOL. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? So uh, here we have Break Down the Wall. Uh, track one, Jericho, absolutely. Yeah, I'd call that a banger. What do you think, Tom? Yay or nay? Banger! Mm hmm. Definite banger. Love that one. Big Show's theme, which is just called Big here. That was always weird to me, like one word, big. It's just like, what is he when he's big? Oh, we'll just call it big. It felt like they typed that name down and then didn't come back to change it later on. You know, when you think of something else. Uh, no Chance in Hell. Oh, that's classic. It's Vincent Mann's theme. Absolutely. Uh, sexual Chocolate by Mark Henry. <laughs> oh, it's great. It's it's always a great icebreaker for a really offensive segment. <laughs> yes, I agree. Um, this is a test. Uh, also, the name of test entire WF run during this point. <laughs> test music's amazing. I never thought much of it, to be honest. It's just all this is a test. Like, uh, Wreck. That's by our friend. Music, yeah. That's right, now. Oh, here we go. Oh, hell yeah. Before my H blocks. Known for their cover of the power. This is that. Uh, sometimes I drink a little beer. Sometimes I make a little mess. Sometimes I get awful. a little angry. Is that it? Awful. Yes, that is it. 
<laughs> not quite the my way of 99, but um, Danger at the Door by D'Lo. Oh, I love D'Lo's theme. I like that. That's a got to go on. Oh, Blood Brother, Christian's solo theme. Nice. No, I, yeah, that was all right. I think, I think his later music would be better. Oh, here we go. His, his Zeppelin Stairway to Heaven, Ass Man by Billy Gunn. <laughs> I think I Got It All was a superior track. Well, let's move on. Uh, Ministry, <laughs> Ministry by The Undertaker. That's the one that sounds a lot like the other one, but has sleigh bells. Uh, my Time, Triple H and China's theme. Well, not for long, hun. Um, <laughs> on the Edge by Edge, which... Is that You Think You Know Me? Yes, it is. On the Edge, that's uh, something Leader would do later on. And Know Your Role by The Rock. And was that The Rock's theme, or was that just a, a random song? Because every so often, The Rock would just chuck a yeah. random song on. Oh, because Pi would be on um, the uh, Volume 5. But no, No Your Role is just the theme, it's as it currently sounds. And now, oh, oh, I remember this because they had... Right, so on the CD version of The Rock's theme, it plays for about three and a half minutes. And then in like an Easter egg-type moment occurs where The Rock just jumps in and goes, The Rock says, you can take your CD, shine it up, turn it sideways, and stick it straight up your can. Yes, that was just on the album version. And there was this one occasion on Raw, I think it was in 2003, where The Rock turned up, did some stuff, and the music was playing, and he was in the ring posing for so long that we heard that bit. So obviously they'd ripped it oh. off the music volume four. Because you heard the bit where The Rock says, like, take this CD, turn it sideways. So I enjoyed the fact that as Rock was was posing at the end of this episode of Raw in 2002, maybe 2003, they were playing the music directly off WWF, the music volume four. I, that is amazing. If anyone knows that episode, please get back to me. Please I've never do. heard that before. I need definitely. to find it. Man, Tom, that would be an amazing find if you knew Definitely that. happened. It definitely happened. Someone Thank must you. know. And if not, we'll just edit it to make it look like he did. Exactly. And we control also, the means of communication. That's it. You get it. Also, if you download the digital version, you get two bonus tracks. Um, today, which is the Four Horsemen Hall of Fame induction theme. I listened to it. It's very Hallmark advert. Not a fan. Uh, and you hear the voiceover going, a touching story about heartbreak, sadness. And turning on Sting 37 times. <laughs> and the other one is She Looks Good, which is Eve's team. Um, that's the one that goes, She looks good to me. She got everything I want, everything I need. Women are sex objects. <laughs> so at least that one's timeless. Anyway, so I thought we'd go through that rundown there. Uh, back to the match. And we'll cut the good bit, which is the high drop dropkick. And it's so good this time that makes both Holly's pose, even Crash on the apron. Of note, Crash Holly's wearing non-hardcore Holly gear for the first time. Dissension in the Holly ranks. So it's suggesting that Crash is about to go off and do something pretty magical. Exactly. And it's awesome. I think one of them thought uh, Ass Man was the superior theme. And the other one was like, no, 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 it's, it's the one. And when he tags in and gets <laughs> the walls, but Hardcore is able to stop Jericho that tries tagging but China turns her back on him. I mean, don't know what he was expecting there. Jericho clotheslines Hardcore to the outside, and China motivates Jericho, but he pushes her, so she goes, ah, balls, clotheslines him, 
sends him in the ring where he falls victim to the Falcon Arrow from Marco Holly, which, as we all know, no one kicks out the Falcon Arrow. Uh, this was a tag match, so obviously the t- title wasn't on the line. But Cole wonders, how can they possibly hold the title together? I do love tag teams don't get along. It's my favourite trope in wrestling. Yeah. Sorry if I got a bit quiet there. I've got the window open and it felt a bit awkward talking about ass man and sexual chocolates with people walking past. I'm like, oh, oh it's fine. There's worse going on in the world right now. <laughs> it's like, don't make eye contact. It's all right. I quite enjoyed um, the sound of seagulls earlier. When you were describing <laughs> the I heard seagulls. It was beautiful. They haven't put in the bins. Oh. Anyway, Mid- Midian Kind is hanging out. In, oh, I just ruined the joke there. Sorry, Mankind is hanging out in Universal Studios. Well done, Matthew. He tries <laughs> giving a kid an autograph, but the child is repulsed. The dad tells him to leave him. So, so Mankind wishes him, have a night, have a bad day, and then runs off. So this is a series of segments that run throughout tonight uh, featuring yeah. Dennis Knight, a.k.a. Midian, dressed as Mankind, just dicking around the theme park. Yeah, he's doing a very good Mankind impression, has to be said. Yeah, very good. Uh, just being pathetic as possible. And Triple H and Stephanie McMahon are watching this and wonder, <laughs> they go, wow, that's weird. Why is Mankind in Florida? <laughs> just completely say, like, like, no, that is Mankind. What are you on about? Uh, Tori and her vacuum-sealed outfit interrupt, and she wants to use the toilet as all the other ones are occupied. Stephanie's like, yeah, sure, fine. Tori's walked into Stephanie McMahon's uh, personal dressing room, holding her stomach to say, can I use your bathroom? All the others are taken. Stephanie says, yeah, sure. So Tori scurries into the bathroom, right, and shuts the door. We then cut to the corridor, which shows the acolytes walk in, and the, the first words that we hear after Tori has gone into the toilet holding her stomach, is Michael Cole saying, well, things can't be good for Mr. Ass. (laughs) 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 Oh, good call, Tom. That's incredible timing. Like, I love this show. It's just so blinkered to stuff like that happening. Cole's required exposition. Well... Tory's got a... <laughs> Talking to badasses, Billy Gunn's about to face the acolytes. Yes. Anyway, that was the only point I wanted to make. Uh, carry on, my friends. After the break, Road Dog wants to know what's up with Triple H and Stephanie. What? No, I've written that badly. Road Dog wants to know what's up with Triple H. And Stephanie tells Road Dog, well, why don't you go ask him yourself? He's in the bathroom. Road dog. Oh, okay. Goes in. <laughs> Tori. Ah! <laughs> Road dog. What? Steph? Stephanie. Oops, sorry. <laughs> I forgot. Oh, that wacky Steph infection. <laughs> That's Steph, eh? It's good job Tori's not affiliated with anybody right now. Or things will look bad for Road dog, eh? Oh, Jesus Christ, yes. Bad, bad ass and bad face on Raw <laughs> the Mean Street Posse had the Acolytes and a arm tied behind their back match which always goes well in wrestling and that didn't last long as the Mean Street Posse and the Dudley Boys battered them together again Road Dog comments the Duds deserved a bonus for that 
which Triple H hears and goes, hmm, maybe I will, Road Dog. Maybe I will. <laughs> that, that can happen later. Ass Man, no, the other one, versus Acolytes as part of Billy Gunn's punishment, or as Gull should have called it, gunishment. Uh, they start, he starts off winning, but, you know, it's a handicap match with the two bruisers. Billy Gunn takes the Rikishi cell from Bradshaw. I forgot he did that, and he did that as late as the Battle Royal he was on. AEW Dynamite last year. Uh, the, the, considering how big he is and the age he is, it, I love that cell. Uh, Road Dog has seen enough, though, seen his partner getting beat up, and runs in for the DQ. Fruit gives him a spine buster. That gets a big ooh from the crowd. And then they brought it them to show their appreciation. And this seamlessly goes into backstage. Kane wanting to speak to Triple H. <laughs> I want a match with pervert Road Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, ever have a, did you ever have a pervert road dog action figure? They were very limited edition. <coughs> but they, they were, it basically came with a shocked face on road dog and a, an upset Tory in a bathroom. That's very right. limited I've, edition figure. That, that replaced the Al Snow head uh, thing in Walmart. That's it right. It did indeed. <laughs> anyway, Steph gives it to Kane, so to speak. <laughs> and... Sorry. It's good because the way this has worked is Stephanie's right next to Triple H. Kane comes in and goes, pervert. And Steph goes, yeah, you're right, good. Yeah, you versus Road Dog, that's fine. And he leaves. And Triple H goes, what, what, what was Kane talking about? Stephanie goes, oh, I, no idea. Who knows with Kane? He's so crazy. Troy's like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and it's just, it's not much, but it's, it, it gets me going and going, nah, that, that was amusing. And then backstage, Road Dog is furious he has a match. And Stephanie again is like, who? Kane. Oh, yeah, 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 sure. Steph is playing silly buggers here where she's like, oh, just Kane's upset with you for walking on Tory. And Road Dog is like, oh, she's bad news. She's setting us up for dissension in DX. That's right. Break it Present down, literally. As presented by Lady McSteph. Nice. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Kane versus Road Dog. And a funny bit, Road Dog does a spiel on the way to the ring. Oh, you didn't know. Then Kane walks down the ramp and Kane has to finish. Sorry, cut God. And Dog has to finish mid-sentence as he has to try and escape Kane the Wrath. <laughs> I was wondering why he was doing the full spiel if he was so terrified. But then so, oh, you didn't... He just trails oh, no off, doesn't he? <laughs> uh, Kane oh. beats him up for a bit until X-Pac wanders down doing the titty grab pose to Tori. Uh, Doc is able to get the advantage thanks to X-Pac's distraction. Cole explains Tori said X-Pac was nothing but a gentleman over the Christmas period. So for those watching home, because hippity-hoppity. Women, women are property. Yay. You remember the, the, the song? They're not, but at this particular time, Vince Russo-esque writing. Not even Vince Russo writing it, though, because he's over in Atlanta. His after effects can still be felt. And... The, uh, I forget who it was, was it? Yeah, Kane didn't beat Big Show for the title, so Tori had to spend the Christmas of X-Pac. And considering all the horrible things we're saying, basically like, oh, you're somebody going to get their ass filled um, on TV, um, she came back and was like, no, she was fine. So, But yeah, she's oh. come back and she's really jumpy and jittery, which is why, like, if anybody says boo to Tori, they normally have a match with Kane. Yeah, the, 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 they're enjoying traumatizing her, but again, she did say, no, but X-Pac was nothing but a gentleman, which is an interesting thing to say, considering he comes out here and he's just like, show me your titties. <laughs> and and again, Cole covers this, like, Tori's been showing, and I quote, bizarre behavior during these past few weeks. Hmm, I smell something suspicious. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about the bathroom after Tori's... Uh, so, anyway... <laughs> Kane beats Road Dog fairly easily. This is, to this point, the longest match of the night. I felt it as well. <laughs> it really did. Five minutes and seven this went. And it was one of the the one of the cleaner finishes of the night, which isn't saying a lot, because there were shenanigans aplenty. Um every right. other match tonight has gone either a minute or two minutes. This has gone five. Right, and then Tori was there, so there was nothing clean about it. Oh. Yeah. Backstage, Rock is shown walking. And he gets Triple the H- biggest pop of the night. What a walk. Oh. Triple H tells Stephanie that The Rock will be facing Kurt Angle. Stephanie, not Angle. <laughs> so, yeah. And again, more very slight things there with Stephanie clearly liking Angle this early in the feud storyline thing. But never mind for that. Mankind is at Universal Studios. And he's riding the Jaws ride. And he talks about how he's not afraid of anything while boring these poor kids to death. About how he did this, how he came off Hell in a Cell. Nothing scares him. Then Jaws the shark appears and he freaks out. <laughs> oh, my God. What was that? And he starts doing the noises he makes. He's doing punches. <laughs> <laughs> these must have been so much fun to film. And they look it. I mean, it's, it's very late for Universal Studios. I don't know how late they're open till or whatever, but... I don't want to care. Anyway, uh, 1-800-COLLECT Slam of the Week. Triple H is sick of Blackman helping Angle, even though Blackman's trying to explain, no, but y- your wife... And he's like, shut up, Blackman. Um, 
So on Raw, if he hits his opponent, Kane tonight, it's Kane versus Angle, Blackman's fired. So Blackman runs in, clearly conflicted, thinks about it, and hits Angle. Because the backstage Stephanie going, great, it's a DQ win, so Angle's still undefeated. Womp womp. This is how I think a mid-card heel could have become the WWE champion back in the day. Like, you just said, like, right, I want a match with you where if if there's a DQ, there's a title change. And then you have your mate run out and hit you. <laughs> hey! Right. I've won! I've done it! Yeah. We got something like that with Christian Orton at one time where Christian just, like, managed to... It was a complete dick on SmackDown going... Look, Orton keeps on causing these DQs, you know, because he would annoy him so much. Orton would just go, oh, whatever. Sure, it'd be funny and just hit him with a chair. It's like, he keeps on getting DQ'd. I mean, it's, it's just not fair on me, earning all these well-earned title shots. <laughs> and Taylor Long's like, yeah, you got a good point there. All right, Orton, if you get DQ'd, then you lose the title. <laughs> the referee's not looking. It just, Christian does the biggest spit I've ever seen. It's like, Half a bag of phlegms goes in Orton's face when the referee's not looking. So it's like, kicks him so far in the dick, he jumps five feet in the air, and then it's like, right, new jump. Oh, it was so good. Amazing. You know what else is, you know, that that was good. You know what isn't good? The Rock talking about his new book. (laughs) Oh, The Rock says, which is out now. That's right. Well, if mankind can write a book... How hard could it be for The Rock to write a book? He's smarter and sexier. And look, I got Mick Foley's book as a kid and because I had a brother. It's like, well, I want a wrestling book. Oh, you can have The Rock's book. And my brother hated reading. But he's like, well, it's The Rock, you know. He couldn't finish it. And I went, <laughs> oh, come on, lad, let me read it. And then I couldn't finish it either because it's half in character. <laughs> like, so it's like literally... So The Rock got all the grades at school, and then The Rock got, took the prom queen home, and then The Rock gave her the you-know-what, The Rock, The Rock. And it's like, uh, right. And it's like, so then I was, because uh, the normal Rock, to then, like his matches, soak up all the good stuff and no-sell everything. The Rock was really good at the, I was really good at these things, and I was good, and I was fit and healthy, and I was really good. It's like, okay, Mick Foley's life is full of horrible things happening and overcoming obstacles, and The Rock is just like, well, I was just... I was just born five foot ten, you know. It's like, it was all uphill struggle for The Rock. Um, I did a little bit of research into Joe Layden, who the, that name may not jump out at you, Lord Matthew, but Joe Layden is the <coughs> ghostwriter who wrote The Rock Says, and he did an interview uh, a few years back uh, with a San Francisco newspaper where he talked about his life as a ghostwriter. And you'll be surprised to admit, you'll be surprised to hear when he was asked about The Rock Says, the memoir by pro wrestler turned actor The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, the book that held the top spot on the New York Times bestseller list for five weeks. Uh, You'll be surprised to hear that Joe Layden, when discussing it, said, I'm not a wrestling fan. I hadn't watched it since I was a kid. No. (laughs) Joe Layden basically talks in depth about his life as a ghostwriter. And he says he can only ghostwrite for stuff that he has no idea of to begin with. He says, because at least you've got a clean slate and you don't have too many preconceived notions. And he believes that's probably uh, the best part of being the best thing you can do as a ghostwriter is write stuff without any idea of what you're writing about, (laughs) which surely to me, like I'm, 
I'm not a writer. If you're a ghostwriter, I'd love to hear from you. Um, that seems ridiculous. Right. Imagine writing on a CV. My best strength is being completely unqualified to write about the things I'm paid. Yeah, it does seem... I get it to an extent because you have to make sure that you don't sound like Joe Layden. You have to sound like Dwayne The Rock Johnson. But then what surely happens is, like, The Rock's book, you know, The Rock's book sold and went to the top of the New York bestseller list because, one, it was The Rock. And genuinely, I believe that if you wrapped up a turd in The Rock wallpaper at this point, you would have the number one kid's toy for Christmas. Um, but also, off the heels of Mick Foley's book, which was a self-penned autobiography, there was this preconceived idea that wrestling books must be good. So that is kind of... The Rock has a lot to thank Mick Foley for, for, for helping push this book up. But unfortunately, once people opened the book, they went, oh, actually, this is crap. And, and there was never that sort of level of greatness again until, the Rock, until Mick Foley wrote his second book. Yeah, well, actually, no, they did interview him and goes, um, like, are you a fan of wrestling? And he went, well, actually, it doesn't matter if you're a fan of wrestling. <laughs> so it's their own fault. <laughs> anyway, that bad book aside, uh, Rock has the mic. And apparently the DX handicap match was at your fight if you lose handicap match. Hence why Mick Foley risked his life and limb to go and save the Rock. But tonight, it's a big match field now. The Rock versus Kurt Angle for the first time. Angle gets the mic and says he wants to be the people's champion because he won the gold medal. And he's a proper guy, not like this GQ dude in the ring. Rock responds as he knows how, as he notices Kurt Angle's gold medals. I'll put his shine them up ass. So I think he's just filling the gaps there. Or get Joe Loden to do it. <laughs> uh, crowd is ready for this. They are on fire after all that foreplay by Angle. They're booing him. They're loving the rock. I mean, it's 2000, the rock's on his prime in terms of crowd response. Angle tries escaping, but the rock clotheslines him on the ramp, and Angle gives him a suplex on it. Weird that they're doing mankind spots out of tribute to him. Yeah. Angle dares to get on offense, so you can tell he's green. We get a giant asshole chance, a reminiscent of a uh, Tory. And then something that you don't often hear uh, a Rudy Poo chant. Anyway, Blackman runs in, and he looks like he knows he's above his pay grade here. So, <laughs> I like the seeing rock, The Rock and Blackman mix it up, though. Right. The Rock sees him, grabs him, takes the stick, and twats Angle for the DQ. So he's still undefeated. Uh, the Rock delivers a rock bottom to Blackman and leaves, and Kurt Angle celebrates like he's just won the gold medal. And Rock sees that, isn't happy, returns to the ring, delivers the spine bus from people's elbow. This was all great. I haven't described the action that much because it's not that interesting hearing people going about that. But the atmosphere was insane. It's, Kurt Angle was in the perfect position here as being just a bad, a badden that he did flatten him by the good. And, uh, Rock being an A-plus player and Angle taking the time to get the shine while taking 90% of the offense and doing a much better job of it than Val Venus or whatever. Much better. Much, much better. Kurt Angle properly rising to the occasion. Yeah. Triple H is unhappy. Uh, Stephanie is all smiles. Oh. Edge and Christian and Jeff Hardy are now going to take on Al Snow and the Dudley boys. A lot of stuff here. Uh, Matt Hardy is hurt. He had his fingers damaged in a cage match on Raw, so I guess he's still legit injured from... Uh, I believe Jeff landing on him. Yeah, some, I wasn't sure whether or not this was uh, still the same injury or whether it was a compounded injury and he was out even further. But I assume he's still uh, recovering from having his bell rung. 
all those yeah. all those weeks back. And Al is still feuding with Jeff as he wants that bonus DX promised him because less hardies means less challenges for the New Age Outlaws. So, again, it's all coming together. It's intricacies. Al had the cage match against Jeff on Raw. And that's the... I'm not sure about the rest of the match, but the finish is vaguely famous with Al Snow going to backdrop Jeff Hardy, but instead Jeff used Al as a launch pad, just to dive over, call over, and escape the cage. And a very nice finish. That was a great finish, yeah. that was. And the Dudleys uh, walking the ring showed me very unhappy, teaming with Al Snow, because nobody likes him. That's that's Al's gimmick right now. Nobody likes him because he's a lech, he's a betrayer, turn on his friends, just going for that book. And I wonder why there's no union in wrestling. <laughs> and anyway, we have the Dudleys and Edge and Christian and Hardys together in the ring. That'll never last, Tom. Oh, it's a beauty of a future echo, is it not? All right. What's that word we like to use in the podcast? Embryotic. Ding, ding, ding. If you've got the uh, bingo card there. Um, Al Snow distracts the referee, so the Dudleys can double-team Jeff. Edge and Christian wrestle the Duds while Jeff takes out a pervy Al Snow who's stalking Terry at ringside with a beautiful tope. Now have some quick counters. Edge nails the downward spiral to end things rather quickly. They go longer and better, but right now the audience is just getting used to these five-minute epics. So <laughs> yeah, it seems... Very much uh, a, a, an, an Attitude-era style match. We will get better right. at these. It might take a while. Yeah, Edge and Crescent seem mad even after winning. Jeez, they should be happy that there's no silly interference or whatever this time. And then Al Snow attacks the Dudleys because they failed him. No money for Al. <laughs> Back to the middle of little Yigan. Al Snow. Uh, this, there is something special about Al Snow as kind of this 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 psycho upper mid-carder. I still quite yeah. like him. Yeah, and he's also a bit useless, which makes it funny. Yeah, I like I like that it's a bit useless too. Yeah. Anyway, back at Universal Studios, mankind wants to go on the roller coasters, but the park is shut. Some guy won't let him go on, so mankind tries to bribe him with a dime. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is very in keeping with Mick Foley. I was going to say, are we sure this is Midian? <laughs> uh, the guy calls security um, as he legs it. And this, okay, a very, very good bit here with the security dude going, there's a masked visitor with a coin, like deadpan as hell. <laughs> like, what does he look like? Well, he's got a mask on. Also, he's got one coin. I can't have a feel that <laughs> oh. the, uh, the guy playing the security guard looked very much like a young Brad Maddox. Oh. Kind of like a flop. He was never seen again. <laughs> he was never seen again until a dirty video emerged. Mm -hmm. uh, test is here with a eh, pop. <laughs> a diminishing pop. <laughs> yeah, who would have thunk it? Anyway, we get reminded that Bossman and Albert beat him up last week in a handicap match. It's non-title because, oh yeah, Bossman's hardcore champion. I had forgotten. Bossman slams him, but not the Bossman slam. Well done, Matthew. That's some good typing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then he yells at the crowd, "Yeah, kiss my ass." <laughs> Albert shows up, and then Lawler says, "Test is going to have one of those Roman noses." Roaming all over his face. Cheeky good line from Jerry Lawler, that. Yeah, it's a good one. We're not Test long, we haven't got long left with the boss man and Prince Albert partnership, have we? Oh, uh, Tom, just you wait. Oh. Uh, Test isn't a quitter. 
And this is that bait and fight is destiny for the N64. We have to fight 100 opponents. <laughs> he hates that. Tess isn't a quitter. He's still got his pre-order in for the 64 Double D. <laughs> he thinks he's getting a dolphin for Christmas. Coming out soon. <laughs> he's getting a dolphin. <laughs> Jeff. Is GameStop still open? <laughs> Imagine if they were doing the mock test guy at the Universal Studios. He'd legit just start crying. Don't want to go on Mickey's Wild Ride. Yes, Jeff. I just don't, I want to go to Innovations at Epcot and play Sonic Jeez. 3D. Tom with the hottest of the references. <laughs> that was just a callback from my own life. Oh. I wanted to go to Innovations at Epcot to play Sonic 3D. <laughs> oh. Bossman removes Test's mask because he's permanently injured on the face and smothers him with a dirty chin lock. <laughs> Albert tries to interfere, but his scissors kick misses and hits boss man and test inexplicably gets the win. Followed by Michael Cole echoing the thoughts of billions. Believe it or not, test won. <laughs> Afterwards, Albert and Bossman argue, but nothing happens yet. Oh. Like a candle in the wind, it's oh, gone too soon. Unreliable. <laughs> 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 Anyway, Mankind wants to... Here we go. Here's a good bit. Mankind wants to ride the Back to the Future ride. Oh, I'll go back to Jan 4th, 1999, when I first won the WWF title. No, wait. I'll go back in time to March 15th, 1982, the last time my wife found me attractive and let me have sex with her. Oh, <laughs> Jesus, that's brutal. It's good satire. And while he's going that and uh, getting on the car... Christ, what's it called? <laughs> I mean, it is a car, ladies and gentlemen. It is a car. You're, you're all right. Back to the DeLorean when Matthew had sense. Uh, the Meat Street Posse are heading to the ring. Stephanie. Oh. Stephanie also working the thoughts of billions. What are they doing in the ring? <laughs> and Triple H replies, oh, this is great. Okay. So he says, well, they deserve their first ever win after all their hard work dealing with the acolytes. Who is it? By God, it's Kai and Tai. This match is. I'm going to say, Tom, this is this is it. This is the. This is a pivotal moment in the careers of the Mean Street Posse. This match is iconic for the Mean Street Posse. Yes, and you'll find out why as we go through it. Yeah, they get ambushed early, but Taka nails the Asai moonsault. Loud USA chants for some ungodly reason. Yeah, well done, Orlando. God's um, sake, Orlando. The camel clutch dropkick combo. Can't stop that. And Fanaki lands the diamond dust, which I always thought was Masato Tanaka's move. The thieving get. I'm with you, Orlando, USA. Sadly, Jerry Lawler is, is, I think, is part Orlando because he talks about when Kainta, talks about Kainta losing this match and then, quote, going back home to climb the Great Wall. I think the joke is supposed to be that everyone knows that, oh, they're not Chinese, they're Japanese, but it's... Alola is so good with his, his lines sometimes that, you know, you end up like going, oh, don't, you can't say that. He was trolling before trolling was a thing. Right, right. Anyway, we get a beautiful double team from them. And it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. That's just, that's whatever. Who cares about that? This is just on Rodney, compared exactly. to the main course. Uh, a moosh bush. Rodney backdrops Funaki into Joey Abs, who delivers a powerbomb. Michael Cole, they call that 
the stock exchange. Oh my God. They had a double team finisher. And I've even written down before it else happened. This is the best SmackDown ever. <laughs> but just you wait. But Pete Gas wants to finish. So he gets the gas mask for yes! two. That's two two MSP finishes. Lawler, Mock exclaims, he kicked out the gas mask. Rodney sets up the high society, which is the uh blockbuster, but somehow accidentally hits it on Pete Gas and manages to land on his own head at the same time. And Lawler expresses amazement at Michael Cole knowing all these names of the Beast Street Posse's finishes. I'm glad he did, because it stayed with me forever. I, right. The only one, the one I forgot was the stock exchange. When I watched this back, I remember the gas mask. I remembered high society. I forgot the stock exchange. Yeah, and even with hitting three finishes, what happens? Taka hits a top rope drop kick into the schoolboy for the win. They couldn't beat him with getting three finishes landing. <laughs> Big win then for Kai Right, big win for Kai and Tai. If they were in Harry Potter, they would capture the snitch and still lose on point. <laughs> Unbelievable. So that leaves only one guy's single finisher out. Joey and it would be a clean sweep. Yes, and what was Joey Abs? I actually don't know. I wish I could remember. I'm sure, I'm sure Google will tell me if I type in Joey Abs finisher. You could probably hear... Yeah, you probably hear me type it as well. I mean, no, I'm not. Uh, did he uh, have it's, it's, it's referring to it as the Venom Bomb because his, his other ring alias was Venom. Oh, the Crucifix Power Bomb. And there's, there's people debating it on uh, forum.wrestlefigs. I thought Joey Abs finisher was a gut wrench suplex. <laughs> the debate. Do you know what? I'm looking at this same page now on forums.wrestlingfigs, and it's a uh, yeah. it's a multi-page discussion on what were the finishes of the Mean Street Posse. I yeah. I hark back to these days. I long for these right. days, Matthew. We have spent the last six, seven days talking about the coronavirus, talking <laughs> about about self isolation and illness and and. And every time someone coughs and sneezes, like anxiety riding up in our system. That is all we've talked about. We talked about events being cancelled, shows that we love disappearing, sporting events being suspended. That is all we've talked about. It's been so miserable on planet Earth. <laughs> Yet in 2011, here was a, a collection of people from around the world just shooting the breeze on what were the names of the Mean Street Posse's finishers. I want these days back so badly. I miss these days. It's like, you ever heard that thing about, could God make a pie so big that even he couldn't eat it? It's Now it's, if Joey Abs had a finisher, what would it be? <laughs> If you wish to give Joey Abs a finisher, you must first invent the universe. Right. <laughs> you must first of all win a match. <laughs> I think I'll have to like upload this on the Twitter and be like, look, if you're feeling bad, here is nearly all the Ministry Posse finishes in one match. Because I think it's one of these people go, this happened? Like, I, think, I think you need to upload it, most definitely. Yeah. But never mind. There's a reason why that bit is not the most talked about segment of SmackDown. It's because this, I'm, I'm, I'm getting very hyped up now. If you can, oh, yes. it, the seagulls 
are flying near to the Yeah, hello, I see you. I'll call, I'll call the one on the left, Joey. <laughs> the, one with, the one trying to hold his tattoos at a peak gas at this moment. The Tumblr drawing. No, not that kind of drawing on Tumblr. The one kind with his balls in a thing and you rotate it and have to pick one out. On who will face Triple H tonight? Who's it going to be? First pick, Andre the Giant. <laughs> no, you'll have to wait for No Mercy to come up the N64 for that. Uh-huh. Uh, Triple H isn't happy with this pick, but if Andre was here right now, he'd beat him up. <laughs> yes, no, who's the river? I bet it was Jericho. Okay, so try again. And the lucky winner is the fabulous Moolah. Triple H says, well, it'd be one for the ages, but no. Triple H says, how would Finkel draw the balls instead? Because uh, it's just going to be silly picks this way. But how would Finkel somehow manages to knock over the tumbler and drop all the balls? <laughs> so he just picks up one at random. And the iconic expression I can still hear all the years ago when I first saw it as a kid. It's Rikishi! It's Rikishi! Triple H is furious. The crowd, the crowd, the wrestlers all sat down backstage to say, Rikishi, Rikishi, Rikishi. Mate, this was the definition of a mark-out moment as a kid. This felt kid. so cool. The moment he said it, the, the entire locker room chanting Rikishi, Triple H and Steph storming off, and then the entire roster just around Rikishi in his sunglasses, who stands up, yeah. shoulders out, like, all right, let's go. Oh, this was cool. Yeah. Like that. And I can still shut my eyes, remember, like, just the <gasps> Rikishi. And then he just looks at Rikishi, sat down, like, nodding his head, like, yeah. Got this. It's on. It's- and it's like, and this part of you that goes, oh, he's going to beat him. Oh, nice. Yeah. This part of you that still does. It's and so I love good. It. I love it so much that I'm going to ignore the fact that a lot of this didn't make any sense. No. Because if the, <laughs> tumbler, if the tumbler was rigged and you assume it was, and then the idea was that like Finkel ruined it by bumbling over, then why did they have two fake ones at the start and even have Finkel? What, what was the end? What what did trip? What was the evil plan? It was the Rakishi, Rakishi, Rakishi. <laughs> was it more? I from from what I um, ascertained that there was that Triple H had certain balls that he knew the color of that he was picking out, which which made sense there. But then, as you say, like then Finkel comes out to pick one, and that would have that would have been surely random anyway. Yeah, I didn't quite get it. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. And we'll move on. Back at Universal Studios, Mankind is sick to his big fat stomach after riding the Back to the Future ride. And wait, wait a minute. The real Mick Foley shows up and he has his very serious voice on. He goes, did you talk about my wife? Did you just talk about my family? And the comedian's like, Triple H made me say all Doesn't matter. Mankind gets to him, smashes a bin door of his head like Vinnie Jones and Lockstock beats him up, makes all those cry noises and just shouts, have a nice day, you son of a bitch. Like, yeah, great way to end it. Great. And because great some, some of the lines were funny that many guy was saying, but then having Mick show up all serious going, whoa, whoa talk about my family. Oh, okay. I'm going to beat you up then I'm going to ride Mickey's Wild Ride. <laughs> I loved it. I, like, I love Mick Foley turning up and just battering Midian. Yeah. I hit the elbow off the Epcot Center. And this is it. Big ass pop for a big ass man as Rikishi comes out to take on Triple H himself. 
Rikishi requests Tuchel leave. He wants to do this by himself. And Slaughter says he weighs 500 pounds, 300 of which is in his rear. And again, Triple H has lots of uh, lovely, lovely comments about some of his runs later on. The Reign of Terror, as it's called, from 02 to 05, when he discovered Batista and ended it all, where he wouldn't make people look good, would crush them all relentlessly, and you go, but who's supposed to rescue you then on top? And Very confusing. Doesn't matter. 2000 Triple H. You know, David Tennant Triple H. Just the best. So Rikishi absolutely wipes the floor with him. And we cut to Stephanie, who's doing commentary, with a panicked look on her face. Rikishi just gives Triple H a leg drop on the floor. Rikishi uh, then takes the Giannetti bump, or I guess the Billy Gunn bump on the show, and just to show that he can sell sometimes as well. Triple H brawls on the outside some more. Rikishi knocks him down with the clothesline. And Michael Cole just says, hey, if it wasn't rigged, maybe you should have. Like, sure, plot point. <laughs> uh, Kishi with the ass in the corner, the Samoan drop, and Triple H just kicks out. And the crowd is now gripped to this. Ooh, what that, that hell noise. of a that, near fall. Yeah, like a Samoan dropper. Because he's Samoan and fat. That does way more damage. And they're making those noises that you only get when it's like someone misses, misses, someone misses a... Uh, a goal from two yards away. It's like, ah, like the anguish that if I did, could, can't believe he couldn't win. Rikishi drags Triple H to the corner. It cuts to Stephanie's mouth agape, like, oh no, oh no. Banzai drop. Stephanie, man, no, please, God, no. Triple H again only just kicks out. Phew. Crowd chant, bull poop. Not happy with the finisher being destroyed, but. Rikishi goes, don't worry, I've got another finisher. Triple H walks right into the sit-out pile driver. Triple H squeezes out to hit the pedigree. Oh, no, he doesn't. I'm telling lies. Backdrop. Then he walks right into the Samoan super kick. One, two. Ah, oh, the shoulders up. And again, oh. <laughs> just the wave of anguish that hits the crowd. Oh, you bastard. They're just Kishi. so into this. It's yeah, I'm, I'm getting into this. Just reading it. Sat down. The seagulls are chanting. <laughs> Tri- Kishi tries a blind ass drop, but Triple H moves with just half a second to go. And that's enough for Stephanie, who throws a chair in and distracts the ref. Kabang. Chair shot. One, two. Kishi kicks out. Crowd, Kick crowd out on their feet. Shot. Crowd going banana. Triple H is now furious with the referee. Crowd chant Rikishi like he's their dead brother. Triple H just blatantly decks Rikishi with the title in front of the referee to keep the title, to stay champion. Crowd hugely deflated at that. But the moral victory goes to the big for two. Triple H gives him some more chair shots after the match. Triple H yells at him while he's down. But then Kishi pops up like Jason effing Voorhees to go after him. So Triple H pegs it. <laughs> Triple H seen uh, on the aisle just going, yeah, God, I'm glad I got to escape from that. And DX backstage go, oh man, if only we'd been there to help, Triple H wouldn't have struggled so much. And then Rikishi and Tukul dance as Triple H fumes and goes, I'll get you next time, Gadget. Mm. Awesome. A plus, five star, awesome moment, awesome match. Tom, this agree with how, me. I, oh, with 100,000%. That's how you make a star. Like, imagine it, like, if Big Show had had that match with Triple H, if Test had had that match with Triple H, 
It would have made him. This made Rikishi. And what sucks is, like, he won't get that close to the to the top of the tree for a while. Like, he is in a mid-card tag team, which will have flights of fancy near the top, but he certainly won't get, like, a run at the, at the champion. He certainly won't get a title feud for the WWF title. Other things will happen. Other great things will happen. But this made him. It was so good. Yeah, it's like, hey, Triple H, we need new guys. All right, say no more. Let's give him 10 minutes. Have, <laughs> have him do everything that he needs to. Um, sorry, I got distracted by the birds saying, hurry up. I'm like, yeah, all right. But isn't um, it funny how much of a wealth of difference there is between Triple H wanting to put over somebody and Triple H being forced to put over somebody? Like there is, there is such a reluctance with people like Test and Jericho for Triple H to work with them. But when he wants to work with somebody, he will make them a star. Same with Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar in this day and age is very much the same. If he wants to work with you, he will make you a star. If he doesn't, then, then good luck. Just, just get through it. Yeah. Yeah, for every uh, Braun Strowman, or as we call him, 2020 test, um, there's... God, who else has Brock put over? Um, Drew McIntyre. Oh, good. well. We're not even at WrestleMania. We may not be for a while, but they, um, the, the, the way that Brock Lesnar has, has positioned Drew McIntyre is, is worlds away from anything he did with Dean Ambrose, with Braun Strowman, with anyone like that. Yeah. Yeah, I love this. And I probably as a kid was probably like, tell me, brother, like, uh, brother, brother, come watch this. <laughs> Rikishi's win the title. <laughs> Uh, we all just got into <laughs> yeah, it. Get a Rikishi, yeah. Awesome. And, yeah, and, it, and again, Triple H had to blatantly cheat to, to return. Well, no, he lost the match, technically, as you point out, another tick there in the DQ con. But, mm. awesome. Yeah, this is the first in a fantastic series of Smackdowns that we get to watch for you, the lovely people at home watching this. Despite the, the fact bus, that we had there, yeah. one, two, three, four DQs on this night. It right. was, and, and the longest match was the main event that went seven minutes. Everything else was two, three or four minutes long. Despite that, it was a thoroughly entertaining show. It was. It was. It makes up for the fact that the British Bulldog, the Hall of Famer, was not here. Yeah, I think we're done with Bulldog, aren't we? No, no, he's still going to be around. Oh, this is brilliant. A, there's a little little show called Royal Rumble 2000 going to happen. Oh, lovely, 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 lovely. Yeah. That's all Don't right, worry. then. So what did we remember from this show, Matthew? Oh, but Rikishi, 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 Howard Finkel, the balls. <laughs> <laughs> it's Rikishi. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's a good impression, though. Thank you, mate. <laughs> okay, you, so you remember Rikishi, I did as well, but I also remember this was the night where we discovered the Mean Street Posse's finishing moves. That and is, we all went, yeah. wow, they've got finishers. That's incredible. Me and my old schoolmate, James Hughes, we used to laugh about Pete Gass's gas mask. We tried, we, we tried as you would when you're at school. We've all, we tried to learn how to do it properly. I don't know why we got so obsessed with using Pete Gass's finisher, the gas mask. But we tried to figure out how it worked. 
I remember this being uh, uh, the key night that we discovered that. Uh, what did you forget from this particular episode? Well, I've written the Ministry Posse thing. Um, I'm going to say that Harker Holly was winning matches with the Falcon Arrow. Before this became a joke, before it was Hayabusa's finishing move and everything else like that, Harker Holly was beating people. Like, actually beating them with the Falcon Arrow. I forgot uh, how... I forgot the Kurt Angle Rock match, actually. And I and I, oh, I forgot how, how beautifully those two meshed and how close that Kurt Angle came to beating The Rock. He, he won by DQ, but there was certainly a lot of lovely chemistry between them that kind of made me think, okay, I want to see them do more do more stuff down the road. Yeah, just, just enough. Just enough, just enough. So that sums up SmackDown for this week. Math, I'm hoping that next time we do this, you're sat close enough for me to touch your face. Oh, I hope so too, Tom. And thank you very much for being patient with this. Obviously, if you've listened this far into this, you'll have obviously you're <laughs> able to put up able to put up the quality. And um, again, it's only just due to all the other things happening in life that's prevented me from going to America the shops, and even Cultaholic HQ. So hopefully things will get better. But in the meantime, we'll always have the classic SmackDown review. What? Cultaholic classic SmackDown <laughs> review. There we go. How will, you be spending, those other ones. how will you be spending the rest of your uh, self-isolation? Uh, trying to fix my computer. So I'm not having to do this in the desk, uh, watching people deliver things next door and being like, yeah, yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> Just having a, just having a normal day, talking about Big Show's failed push in '99, uh, and um, probably trying to beat Goldline Secret Agent later on. Amazing. See, there's part of me that kind of wishes for self isolation because I feel like I really want to break out the N64 and play Diddy Kong Racing. Right, because I'm like, I would feel guilty doing that any other time, but now I'm like, effort. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Steph. <laughs> I know. Like, I can't. I can't shoot. I can't shoot Barry <laughs> Till the next time, as till the next time on the wasteland that is planet Earth. He is our mm-hmm. Matthew Craig. I am at Tom Campbell. Together via the internet, we are at Cultaholic. We will speak to you next time. Wash your pigged hands. <laughs> Love you. Bye. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.